0: This summer, don't be left without air conditioning. Call Care Heating and Cooling and get on a care plan to protect your family. With a care plan, you get system maintenance and priority service in case of emergency, giving you peace of mind. Plus, a well-maintained air conditioner runs more efficiently and saves you money. At Care, their service technicians are paid to fix your AC, not sell you a new one. And their award-winning team is available seven days a week. Call Care today at 1-800-COOLING or book an appointment online at careheatingandcooling.com. When you need a come Hey, everybody, and welcome to the
1: Billboard.com Pop Shop Podcast. My name is Keith Caulfield, and I am the Senior Director of Charts at Billboard. And joining me, as always, is Billboard's Deputy Editor Digital, Katie Atkinson. Hello, Katie. Hey, Keith. How was your weekend? It was great. You went to some sort of... uh... Per your Instagram, which clearly I stalk, um, you went to some sort of pop-up Saved by
2: the Bell thing? That's correct,
1: Keith. <laughs> that's correct, Keith. Well, um, I have no idea what this it's is. It's called
2: Saved by the Max, and it's literally like a pop-up diner of the Max from Saved by the Bell. Is that like their version of the Peach Pit from O? Yes. Yeah, that's where they hung out, had burgers after school, had their dance contest, the wow. radio station recorded from there, etc.,
1: Where was this at?
2: Um, It's right on Santa Monica in West Hollywood in some formerly empty building that they turned into the Max. And they actually did it in Chicago first. So I had heard about it in Chicago. We bought tickets way back in February, and July was the earliest reservation I could get for me and my three friends. When I signed on, like right when they went on sale. Yeah, wow. it was very fun, you guys. Were they pumping music there? Like, um, you know, they really weren't. So. Well, there was some music, and it was definitely of the time. Like I remember, I do remember hearing Belinda Carlisle having his place on Earth. Well, that would be nineteen eighty-seven. Yeah, I mean, save the That was late eighties, early nineties. Okay, <laughs> I'm like obviously associated with the early nineties. Well, um, it was delightful, and if you have an opportunity to go. Please do. Is it there for a while? Is it touring, basically? Um, I think they might do it in other cities, and I know that it does end at a certain point, I think, in the fall. But um, yeah, try. Try to go. Wow.
1: I mean, forget, like, you know, Beyonce and Jay-Z on tour. Go see the tape by the Bell pop-up. the food
2: was good. That's the craziest part. Sorry, we can move on. (laughs) I wasn't expecting all this, but I'm
1: I'm thrilled nonetheless. Um, Well, as always, the Billboard Pop Shop Podcast is your one-stop shop for all things pop on Billboard's weekly charts. In addition... You can always count on a lively discussion about the latest pop news, fun chart stats and stories, new music, and guest interviews with music stars and folks from the world of pop.
2: Today on the show, we have news about Drake, Ariana Grande, and the 2018 MTV Video Music Awards nominations. Plus... We've got an interview with Mark Foster of Foster the People. It's a
1: super interesting chat about the crossover success and longevity of the band's latest hit, Sit Next to Me, uh, why he never, ever thought Pumped Up Kicks would be a hit on the radio. Uh, He talks about touring with Paramore that may or may not involve s'mores and ping pong. (laughs) Um, He has some really thoughtful ideas about how um, we're kind of in like this postmodern age of music. As you can tell, I'm super stoked about this interview. So stick around for that a little bit later.
2: But first, before we get started, if you enjoy the podcast, subscribe to the show on iTunes or your favorite podcast provider so you won't miss an episode. And if you want to explore more podcasts from Billboard, visit billboard.com slash podcasts. So maybe we should hit some of the biggest headlines over on billboard.com now. Like I, I
1: took a breath all of a I'm like,
2: <gasps> I'm just really excited about the headlines. Are you? <laughs> well, I heard God is a Woman, and I heard that because Ariana Grande said it in her new song that she released... First thing Friday morning last week. Yeah. She also put out the video for the song. Uh, It came out just later that afternoon. Keith and I have been bottling up all this conversation about the song, about the video, just so we can unleash it here on the podcast. So we'll start with Keith. Keith, what do we think of the song? The song? Yeah. Um, I think we... Would you like
1: to start with the video? Well, we can start with the song. (laughs) Um... I think it's cool. I think it's a grower. And I think, which reminds me of my initial reaction to No No Tears Tears Left Left to Cry. Because we had different reactions. The first time I heard that, I was just like, oh, okay, it's cool. And you were just like, I'm loving every minute Uh of it. And now I love No Tears Left to Mm -hmm. Cry. And I think it's just one of those songs. And I think she's wisely made these songs that are slow burning and Mm -hmm. are very enjoyable with repeated
2: listens. Yes.
1: And in fact... You know, no tears left to cry is still huge on the radio. So she knows what she's doing. So I like the song, and I think it's a great concept. It's an interesting concept, and I think it's very fitting for where you know sort of she's at in her kind of pop world. It's kind of
2: a Madonna moment. Kind of? In the sense of the religious iconography in both the video and in, like, using a gospel choir at the end of the song. Right. She definitely had an influence there. Well, yeah. Well, then thus speak of the video. Mm. Well, the video is fantastic. Yeah. Um and beautiful and crazy and you informed me is directed by Dave Myers. Yeah. Who also did the No Tears Left to Cry video. There's
1: clearly a budget involved with this video. Oh my
2: god, it's just like it's it's art. Yeah. It is it's moving, living, breathing artwork. You still haven't said the thing that I What are we talking about? Uh the cameo in the video? Did I miss a cameo in the video? Are you going to tell me? What? Is this what she was t- tweeting with Madonna about last week? Yes, I literally didn't see Madonna in this video.
1: Okay, well you don't see Madonna. Oh, you oh, hear is that Madonna. her voice. Yes. Oh, there's a spoken the voice of word. Th- there's mm. a spoken word interlude where she comes comes in and says, "I will strike down upon thee with great vengeance," which of course is a quote that was used in Pulp Fiction, but it's like a
2: well, It's from the Bible. It's from the Bible. <laughs>
1: Um, it's, quite, it's a famous quote because, Famous like,
2: quote from Pulp Fiction and the Bible
1: Yeah, but people on Twitter were like, oh my god, it's that Pulp Fiction quote oh, I'm like, god. yes, via and the Bible And I'm like,
2: oh, I, what are you talking about, Madonna? So clearly there's layers that people need to discover in this video
1: Yeah, so Ariana Grande, you know she lip-syncs to Madonna's voice saying this passage of from the Madonna Bible Madonna should be the voice of God A lot of people didn't immediately know that it was Madonna because it's like this weird sort of like faux-southern accent mm-hmm. that comes through and the first, I, I, I when i When I first heard the song, considering Ariana had been tweeting about Madonna, saying telling her thank you, Mm -hmm. I was like, all right, so did Madonna either A, send her and Pete Davidson some flowers, (laughs) or B, do something with Ariana on her album? Yeah. And then when No Tears, or I mean, when God is a Woman, the song was coming, I'm like wait, so maybe she's on the song. Mm-hmm. And then I heard the song. Cause I think the songs, I heard the songs audio first on stream on Apple music. Yeah. And then I watched the video the next day. Cause there was actually like a gap. Like it was like,
2: gap. Mi- exactly. It was midnight and noon.
1: And so I'm like, okay, I don't hear Madonna on this track. Okay, that's disappointing because I was I was personally hoping for it to be like Ariana. Like trying
2: to like listen to the gospel sections like do we hear Madonna's voice yeah. in there or yeah. I was like,
1: is this like Ariana featuring Madonna? <laughs> no. And then when I watched the video, I was like, is Madonna in the video somehow? Mm-hmm. And then, then up comes the interlude. I'm like, oh, snap. That's See, Madonna. See, that's funny.
2: I was also kind of looking for her. And then didn't see her. I was kind of waiting, like when Ariana's reaching out at the end, the you know Michelangelo Sistine Chapel I reference. That at the end, been I thought that could have been Madonna. She was reaching for it. Was not, but clearly she was featured another
1: way. But you know she was reaching out smartly to a to. There was like a very. It was like a multi ethnic, mm-hmm. um, palette, a palette. No, uh, What would you call that scene? Uh, uh you know the pastiche. Sh- well it was it was like a you know, it was a Sistine Chapel. Yes. But with Ariana reaching out to a black woman. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but Ariana was backed up by a bunch of you know, I guess angels or mm-hmm. some, I don't know. What what is this?
2: God the whole video is just so cool looking it's, it's really, and really pretty. it's also just like as a lady, uh super just amazing to see a pop star just go all out on the like feminine power thing. I mean, she there's a scene where she gets pregnant, like her belly becomes pregnant And as a mom, I got a little choked up, just like she's talking about how powerful women are. And part of that power is birth. And it was, it's beautiful. Wow. So yeah, it's, I, I love the song. I love the video. And I do agree with you about the repeated listens because it's some, it's already lodged in my head from listening to it. You know, the four or five times I listened to it on Friday, then watching the video this morning. It's like, she is really good at the, it's like the earworm, but not the, like, you know, you'll get sick of it because right. it's so, like, annoying earworm. It's not like that. Oh,
1: yeah, no. Um, so this is, obviously, this is from her new album, which is coming when? Uh, yes.
2: Sweetener is due August 17th. Okay. And so far, we've heard, as we talked about, No Tears Left to Cry, um, which is currently number one on the Pop Songs Airplay chart. So the close that slow burn. Hit number one this is. week, yeah. And uh, then The Light is Coming, featuring Nicki Minaj and produced by Pharrell. And now God is a woman. So we'll see uh what else what other little taste we'll get before uh before the album comes out. Yeah, cool. So next up, uh, Cardi B and the Carters lead the twenty eighteen VMA nominations. MTV announced the nominations for the twenty eighteen video music awards on Monday, and Cardi B sits on top of the list with ten nods. Jeez. The New Mom and Breakout 2018 rapper racked up nominations for Video, Song, and Artist of the Year, along with Best New Artist and Best Collaboration for her feature on Bruno Mars's Finesse remix. Uh-huh. Right, behind Cardi are The Carters, <laughs> aka Beyonce and Jay-Z, with eight nominations for Ape Shit from their joint album Everything is Love, followed by Childish Gambino and Drake with Seven Apiece, Bruno Mars with Six and Ariana Grande and Camila Cabello with 5 each. Are Ariana's all from No Tears Left to Cry? Yes, I mean okay. obviously God is Woman I think oh, was just too, too close yeah. to the to the nominations.
1: Um do you you pro- well you don't have this in front of you I know you don't. Um what were the nominations for Video of the Year which is generally considered yeah. like the big award? I know um Childish Gambino's says America um, Apeshit from the Carters mm-hmm. um, Katie's actually looking this up now mm-hmm. um, Because that's like usually the one Big award that if you remember anything From the show you're gonna remember Maybe what one video of the year
2: Yeah and um, So I'll just read them off I know you already named some of them But Ariana Grande, Ariana Grande No Tears Left to Cry mm-hmm. Bruno Mars and Cardi Finesse Camila Cabello and Young Thug Havana The Carters Apeshit Childish Gambino This Is America And Drake God's Plan
1: God's plan was the one where he went out and gave money to everyone.
2: Mm-hmm. It's interesting. They definitely made a choice there. I wonder if they considered nominating Nice for What as well and decided maybe that God's plan was more of a unique concept for a video because we haven't really seen that before. Yeah. Just taking a budget and giving it away, whereas Nice for What is a, you know, celebrity cameos is kind of a concept we've seen before, but it's obviously a little bit, you know, different that it's a A male artist featuring only female celebrities. Well, that's not that different. There's lots of examples of
1: that. I think it's a nice blend where you have kind of like you know you have you have sort of a very conventional, I suppose, video that is still very well done and very fun and poppy finesse. No, Um, you have an Ariana video from one of our biggest pop artists through and through, but you also have um, really provoking, interesting. Popular videos like "This Is America" and "Ape Shit" and "God's Plan." Yeah, um, I'm sure I just left someone out from there in the mix. Sorry, Camila. Oh, no, Mike, oh, well, Havana, no, that's, that's it's like a mini-movie, and yeah. Camila, like, acts her butt off, and it's yeah. funny, and it's such a breakthrough hit, so it's, like, it's yeah. a really, like, for people that were like, bemoaning, though, like, oh, our music
2: video's dead, or are we, like, in a downturn? Like, oh. no, actually, based on this, at least this category. I mean, Childish Gambino's This is America was number one because of its music how video. How can that not
1: win for yeah, the VO/VR?
2: honestly, when it came out, I was thinking, like, Already. there's just no chance that anybody um, else, I mean, and there are really, I mean... Jay Z and Beyonce shut down the Louvre, <laughs> like they they yeah. they filmed in front of the Mona Lisa yeah you know so there's lots of things to be said. I think for they'd all be okay
1: if Childish Gambino. I think won. so too. Yeah, um, you're, we're not gonna well or well we're certainly <laughs> not gonna get a repeat. And, like, all three of those people, We, I mean, Bruno Mars, Gam, Charles Gambino, and...
2: Oh, it's like the Grammys all over again? Beyoncé
1: were all nominated for... Album of the Year. Actually, Beyoncé was not well, nominated. Not this year. Not Jay-Z this year. was. Jay-Z was. Yeah. And Bruno won Album of the Year mm-hmm. versus the other two. I think this is different, though, because I'm not even sure who votes for the VMAs. It's like a select, like, blue-ribbon panel. No, no, no fans, now. <gasps> oh, it's fan-voted. Even Video of the Year.
2: Yes. And uh, fans well, can vote for their favorite artists across all eight categories right now.
1: Well... Camila just won. Yeah. Thanks for playing, everybody. Yeah.
2: No, I... uh, We'll see. Well, in terms of... You know what? Actually, now that I say that out loud, um, it says that there's fan voting in eight categories. Maybe Video of the Year is immune to the fan voting. Mm. Well, while you look that up... Okay. um,
1: (laughs) And you go to vma.mtv.com, perhaps. um, You know, some of the biggest... uh, Some of the big Video of the Year winners in the past, because the first video, the first VMAs were in 1984... Very first video to win video of the year. I will give you the nominees that did not win first. Okay. Um, Every Breath You Take by The Police. Mm. Girls Just Want to Have Fun by Cindy Lauper. Thriller by Michael Jackson. Uh, that means it didn't win. Mm-hmm. And Rocket by Herbie Hancock. Oh, yeah. So, I've seen all of those videos. All of them lost. Okay. Two, a v- very great video, but still... Thriller didn't win. Uh, you might think by the cars. Wow. Now, you might think had a lot of, at the time, kind of state-of-the-art computer um, in- imagery. You know, like there was a miniature fly. And it was, like the, it was very high-tech at the time. But Thriller lost video yeah. of the year. Yeah. WTF. Yeah. So, you know, for every time you have something <laughs> like that.
2: Um, you need to... Do the example. I think it's 2006. Oh, do you have that in front of you? Yeah, if, I have the whole thing. If yeah. it is shocking, you just let me know.
1: Oh, is well, it the one I think it is. Um, maybe. Who's the winner? Panic at the Disco. Yes. Yeah, I think I'm pretty sure this was the first year that they switched to fan voting. Oh, okay, that would make a lot of sense. I think I could be wrong. Um, because this year, two thousand six nominees were Shakira and Wyclef for Hips Don't Lie," mm-hmm. Red Hot Chili Peppers with Danny California, mm-hmm. Madonna's "Hung Up," mm-hmm. Christina Aguilera's "Ain't No Other Man," oh, great video, and Panic at the Disco's "I Write Sins Not Tragedies." And that was just—I remember seeing that. I'm like,
2: what? Yeah. Full disclosure: I worked at MTV at the time, which is why I know. Also, the exact we love you, habit. Brendan Urie. <laughs> exactly. We love Panic at the Disco, and actually, I, he's like, uh, you know, clearly. Lasted longer than anyone would have thought in two thousand six. You know, like yes. twelve years later, number one album. So like maybe MTV and their voters knew something we didn't.
1: I'm I'm pretty sure that was like I think, I mean I kind of I started getting kind of like a, a little bit annoyed. Just I think partially because of my sort of grievances with Eminem in general. Mm. Um, in the early two thousands when Eminem won Video of the Year twice, but when Panic won, I was just like, what? And I felt like that was really when the VMA started just kind of like implode mm. in terms of like it's no longer about what the most the best
2: video like what was culturally is the best video. It's now just whatever fans want to win. And to that point, uh, you can vote now for Video of the Year on MTV.com/VMA. No. Mark
1: our Woods words. <laughs> then uh, Camila might just take uh, Video of the Year home, kids. Um, last year's winner for Video of the Year, by the way, was. Um,
2: I wonder if i know the answer to this question it was uh well i'll tell you the nominees okay
1: uh the weekend's re- reminder don't remember that one <laughs> sorry kids um bruno Mars's 24 karat magic dj khaled's wild thoughts alessia cara's scars to your beautiful and kendrick lamar's humble
2: i guess the answer is no i don't remember it was humble okay
1: so that they, they got that one right Ooh. <laughs> and I uh, took someone's uh, UPS FedEx printout. Oops! Darn it! <laughs> That's my fault. Uh, well, I'm sure they'll figure it out. Um, well, anyway, um, charts, charts. Let's move on to charts, kids. This is a little bit too too long of uh, the news segment. I apologize. It's just when we talk about VMAs and Madonna inside an Ariana Grande right. video, all bets are off. Okay, so let's get some chart news. It's all about the Drake, the Drake, the Drake. <laughs> I hear he's kind of big these days. Yeah. Well, he rules both the Billboard 200 Albums Chart and the Billboard Hot 100 Songs Chart this week as his Scorpion album is still number one on the Billboard 200 for a second week, while In My Feelings, from the album, uh, vaults from number six to number one on the Hot 100 thanks to a viral dance craze. Have you
2: done your video yet, Keith?
1: No, I, I think we're going to do it do together. The Aren't we doing it together? Yeah, let's do that. Sure, we can get some people in the office We can all do it <laughs> together. It'll be like it'll be like the Harlem Shake. Oh. Nope. Um, well, the album earned uh, three hundred thirty-five thousand equivalent album units in the week ending July twelfth, according to Nielsen Music, of course, in the United States, and that's the largest sophomore week for an album in over two years. The last set to log a larger second week was Adele's 25 when it earned 1.16 million units hmm. in its second week um, back in... So insane. ...2015. <laughs> um, and it started, of course, with over 3 million. Right. And most of that was just album sales. Um, so that ain't probably happening again. <laughs> um, Scorpion is still largely powered by streaming activity, not album sales. Um, and in its second week... By the way, Scorpion sold 29,000 albums in its second week. Well... Uh, all digital. Um, Fun fact, Mm -hmm. that is, so Scorpion, as I, I, I'll come back to that in a second. So Scorpion is still, Mm -hmm. of course, powered by streaming activity and in its second week it garnered 391 million on-demand audio streams for its tracks. That's the third biggest streaming week for an album ever. Um, Of course, a week ago, uh, Scorpion earned 732,000 units in its first week, which is the biggest week of 2018. And, uh, again, because the album is powered by streams, it tallied 745.9 million on demand audio streams for its tracks in its opening frame, which is the biggest streaming week ever for an album. So, the thing I said about Scorpion's 29,000
2: mm-hmm.
1: copies sold, it's not in our script. Um, so, it, Scorpion is actually the top selling album this week. So, the biggest selling album in America this week sold 29,000 copies fun fact in air quotes question
2: mark mm-hmm.
1: um that is the smallest sum for the top selling album in the week since nielsen music started tracking sales in 1991 and it's only the third time we've had we've had like the biggest selling album of the week sell less than 30,000 copies
2: we should also say that you know well you'll probably get to this I was just going to say another big release this past week was Futures Beast Mode 2, which was streaming streaming only, so it had no opportunity to be on the top album sales chart. Uh,
1: No. Um, uh, Actually, uh, Futures Beast Mode 2 debuts at number three on the Billboard 200, all from streaming activity, and that actually makes it the highest charting streaming-only album ever. It surpasses the number eight uh, debut and peak of Chance Chance the the Rapper's Rapper's coloring coloring book. book. Yeah. Um uh spe- let's say it together chance the rappers color rainbow <laughs> um, another thing um speaking of all these rappers in the top ten uh, so we have future at number three we've got Drake at number one um in, in fact the entire top six albums on the Billboard 200 are rap albums. Which wow, is, that's the first time that's ever happened. Hmm. And nine out of the top ten albums are all rap albums. Wow. That's never happened either. Um, The only thing that is not rap in the top ten is the Greatest Showman soundtrack. Incredible. So had it not been for the soaring vocals of Zac Efron and Hugh Jackman and Mm -hmm. Kala Settle, Mm -hmm. we would have had an all rap top ten. So, Katie, you might be wondering, why is this possible?
2: Yes, why? How? Why?
1: It's the power of streaming. Yes. Um, And also... Uh, because because and I just say the power of streaming as if you listening knows what that means. Well, what that means is hip hop does extraordinarily well in streaming yeah. services. That is the uh, the the vehicle in which a lot of people who love hip hop will absorb new music. Mm. Um, doesn't really work so much with country and pop and rock. Like that is just. I mean, you look at the top of the Apple and Spotify charts, and it's just hip hop dominated, and. I'm still curious. I'm like, there's got to be some amazing study. Why? It's like, why is it? Why is, like, hip-hop so dominant on streaming services? Whereas, like, are, are, or or is it, are we just, like, you know, like, four or five years behind? Like, in five mm-hmm. years from now, will we see, you know, the new Florida Georgia line, at the top of the Spotify right. chart for like a month. Because
2: like, hip-hop is popular with young people, and young people are the first adopters, adopters
1: of... Yeah, yeah. and when, and that's sort of what happened, you know, back when people, you know, first started listening to... You know, first started buying music through iTunes, or right. you know, first started buying CDs through the internet. Mm-hmm. Um, the stuff that we saw react the most, actually, at the time, was youth-oriented stuff, but also a lot of alternative and college music. Mm-hmm. Um, not just rap. And that was because you had a lot of like alternative music was very popular with like college kids who had access to broadband mm-hmm. and internet. Yeah. Now clearly the music of choice of college kids and high school kids is hip hop. Yeah. Period. Yeah. And that's just dominant. Yeah. So it's a combination of streaming being very powerful on the album charts and with hip hop, but also the fact that nothing of note in terms of pop rock or country came out right in terms of albums on the um, street date that impacted this week's chart yeah as opposed to a week ago when there were new albums from uh Florence and the Machine and the and the Gorillas that debuted in the top 10 I think. yeah so maybe it'll all change next week I don't know um we'll see we'll see and now uh, speaking of all that hip-hop we're going to go to an interview with not someone from the world of <laughs> hip-hop um, it's our it's time for an interview with Mark Foster of Foster the People. Uh, Mark dialed in to the pop shop as he was en route to a show, actually. And uh, we had a super, super interesting chat. Um, the band is actually currently enjoying a radio hit with Sit Next to Me, which was first a hit on our alternative songs airplay chart last year. Uh, the song came out like in september august september um and then became a hit on alternative radio but now it has since crossed over to the pop songs airplay chart such a Um, fun song mark goes in deep uh in our chat about how top 40 radio is just really weird right now um, and that nobody knows what's going to work at pop radio right um he also talks about why he never ever thought that the band's breakthrough hit pumped up kicks would be a radio hit um and the The answer may surprise you because I asked him and I was expecting him to say, oh, you know, we just never thought like, you know, people would like it. He has, He actually had like a scientific sort of type answer mm. about the way pop songs are structured and mm-hmm. that doesn't and the and he's like this wouldn't work on the radio.
2: He's the new Rivers Cuomo trying to break down the formula of a pop hit.
1: It's I mean I I think he's like the he was just like the perfect guest yeah. for the Pop Shop. So we have a
2: guest co-host sometime. Yeah, oh that'd be well, great. We'll see you when you hear this.
1: Mark if you're listening come on back. Um anyway, so there's lots of deep thoughts about the state of pop music and how everything is working and also making smores and playing ping pong with Paramore. <laughs> so that's in there too. So anyway, Take a listen to our interview with Mark Foster of Foster the People.
0: And
1: Welcome to the Billboard Pop Shop Podcast, Mark Foster of Foster the People. How's it going, sir?
0: Thank you. I'm good. I'm good. I'm in New York right now. I'm um, just heading to the Barclays Center for uh, Soundcheck.
1: Yeah, you're, you're, uh, now, do you have a driver? Is, is this like a van scenario, or is this like a lift?
0: <laughs> I, I actually, yeah, no, I just got I got an Uber, actually.
1: <laughs> See, yeah. rock stars, they're just like us. Um, well, first off, <laughs> <laughs> congratulations on the big success of your single, Sit Next to Me. Um, the track has really kind of had this extraordinarily you know, long life. Um, it was already a smash on our alternative songs airplay chart last year, and then has since crossed over to the pop songs chart, and it's you know you know in recent times has been like a big hit on pop radio. Um, what's it been like for you seeing you know how this song has grown and expanded its reach you know from its release last summer? Like, what's it been like to see that for you?
0: Yeah, it's, I mean, it's been kind of amazing, really, just because it's I mean, it's been really surprising for me. Like every every week now um just getting an update you know that 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 it's like continually growing and you know has a bullet at radio and um I, i'm just like what I, you know it's been on the radio for like eight or nine months um and uh it's just cool that it's connecting with people and it's a funny thing too i think like it with you know american radio in particular you know a song like this i mean it's enough to be, it's in the song. I think that, like, when you would hear it for the first time at radio, I mean, it's a ballad. It's like a mid-tempo ballad, basically. That you wouldn't say, "Oh, this is going to react right away." You know, it's kind of a sleeper. Um, that, but it's one of those things that I think with American radio, if these things take time. You know, building something up that alternative, it takes. It's it's it's, it's always surprises me how long it takes for people to for a song to be able to get four or five listens by a single person that listens to the same station, you know, it could take a few weeks before somebody starts to really connect the dots that, Oh, this is a song that I like. And okay, this is a song that's lost for the people. Um, you know, whereas I I think in maybe the UK, um, so, you know, a radio one or something that, um, a song has a much shorter lifespan, you know, pretty much even like a hit song, unless it's like a smash unless it looks like a monster is going to have, you know, maybe six to eight weeks. Um, it's going to live on the radio and then, and then we're going to move to the next thing or triple J in Australia. I think it's, you know, it's just, it's, it's, it's different, but, um, U S radio, you know, it's, uh, yeah, I, I, to have a song that's on for this long though, is, um, is, is, you know, surprising. It's cool.
1: Yeah. Um, it's a I good mean, good Clearly, you know your radio because, yeah, I mean, in I think in the UK, just because it's like a much smaller country and, you know, everyone listens to, you know, effectively kind of, I mean, not the same stations, but I mean, there's only a certain number really that are super powerful. And so, you know, yeah, things move a lot faster, you know, in the UK, but here it's like so weird because we have so many different formats and, and you know, it takes... You know, some for whatever reason, it takes multiple listens, you know, for it to catch on. And that's why we see, especially lately. I mean, now I'm really going deep because I work in charts at Billboard. So I could really fall into a rabbit hole with you. And I'm not going to do that. But there's a lot of songs lately, like Dua Lipa's New Rules has been out for like a year and it's still on the charts. Uh, Lau's single has been like on the charts for a year and you know your single has effectively been on the radio for almost a year on different formats. So it's weird how US radio is just so kind of slow turning sometimes, but that can really work mm-hmm. to your advantage like it has done with this single. Um moving on though, I could spend forever on that. Um you know, you've been down this like crossover road before, you know, with Pumped Up Kicks obviously, you know, when it crossed over from rock to pop radio. But you know, is it different this time around? Is it not as like sort of weird going from rock to pop, or is it not any different at all? You know, this time.
0: I mean, yeah, it's completely different. Um, I think you know that was seven years ago, yeah. um, and I would say that you know we 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 were a new band, nobody really knew anything about us, and Pumped Up Kicks um, kind of came out of nowhere. Um, and continued to kind of surprise everybody, I think, um, including myself and, um, you know, that, that song was never, I mean, I never, I never in a million years thought that that song would be played on the radio at all. Um, let alone be played on pop radio and, um, why, why didn't you, sorry sorry to
1: interrupt. Why didn't you think that it would not be played on the radio? Did you not think it sounded like a hit or was there something else?
0: I mean, well, I mean, even just considering like radio, you know, kind of like the unspoken rule of radio, you know, you want a vocal to come in in like five to ten seconds um, on a song that's going to be played on the radio. Pumped Up kick has an intro that's almost a minute long before the vocal even comes in.
1: Yeah, that is surprising. Um, actually, yeah.
0: And there's, you know, it's it's got a lot of space. And at that time, especially on pop radio, I mean, you, you you rarely even heard guitars on pop radio, let alone a band. Um, you know, it's pop radio normally kind of um, really kind of super serves the pop artist, a singer or a rapper um, and something with like, you know, an electronic, um, more electronic production. But like you, you rarely hear kind of a band. So, I mean, that song was pretty, I would say it was really left to center and kind of came out of nowhere. and radio was a, in a very different place back then. And then kind of from that point, I would say that radio started to come around. And I would say that even, you know, that song opened up some doors for bands to be heard on pop radio a little bit more, um, you know, with, you could see with like Gautier and then Capital Cities um, and, uh, you know, this last year, and then Arctic Monkeys. Actually, I don't know if they crossed, or, but I, I think they did.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, on yeah, their last a, little, record, a, little, then, a little bit, a little bit. Not as much as you. A little bit. I and, mean,
0: <laughs> you know, I and mean, then obviously, last year, Portugal the Man. Um, yeah, totally. And so, you know, I would say that now radio is definitely in a different in a different place. And I think that people's tastes are in a different place that nobody really knows what's going to work at Pop Radio now. Nobody, it could be anything, you know, it could be, um, Cardi I mean, it, you know, Post yeah. Malone. Yeah, exactly. It could be Cardi B. It could be, you know, um, it could, you know, just there's strange people are, I think they're being constantly surprised, which which I love. I mean, I think that, you know, we're, we've been in a postmodern age of music for a while that I think people that listen to music now, and you can see it when you look at the festival lineups who's playing, that there's everything from um, EDM to hip hop to like, you know, trap like Atlanta, like dirty South stuff to rock stuff to, Really avant garde left of center stuff, and and people that go to those festivals are going to see all of it. Um, and, and I think that's kind of a reflection on where people's tastes are now that it's not, people aren't genre specific anymore, um, which I think is so great and so healthy. And you're also seeing that, you know, like Kanye being a big champion of that for a long time now. I mean, even going back to like Stronger when he, um, you know, took Daft Punk. And started to use kind of pull from electronic music and bring it into hip hop um, or flashing lights or, you know, any, anything from that. I mean, I, there, uh, there's a lot of cross-pollination within genres now, which is something that, as a band, we've always been interested in doing as well, which, um, you know, on Sacred Hearts Club, on our newest record... Uh, it totally blurs genres. Like
1: it's, it's kind of all over the place. Like there's pop, there's rock, there's kind of yeah. hip hoppy beats at cer- at certain points. It's kind of yeah. I, I you know totally. we sort of classify it as an alternative album, you know, for our charts and you, you know your home base is alternative radio. But you know, really, when you listen to the album, it's like you know there's elements of lots of stuff in it, and I can I would imagine that's because you know you know you and 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 you know you yourself are you know is sort of a fan of all sorts of music like that just sort of seeps into your consciousness because you just like all sorts of kinds of music and that shows up in your music i imagine Mm. um well anyway oh no that wasn't really a question that was just me making a statement
0: (laughs) i mean working on that record we had we actually had two records basically we kind of separated the hip-hop electronic stuff with the more we had more kind of psychedelic guitar stuff and more rock stuff um and we separated them at one point. You know, in time, we were going to put out two, whether it was like two EPs or two records that were, um, I guess, more stylistically cohesive. And then we kind of, and it was this big conversation. We, you know, I remember talking to Rich Costey about it, a producer, and 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 a bunch of other friends at Paul Epworth and um, different people that were in music. Just like, what do you think is a good way to? You know release this music because not all of it works together but um you know should we keep it separate or should we try to do something and 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 have it all kind of make it more like a roller coaster when you put on the record you don't know where it's gonna go and that's what we we decided to do do the latter um and you know put a song like lotus eater you know which is like you know really kind of influenced by the ramones um and then hard cut that into this weird 1950s David Lynch prom mm-hmm. type um, kind of psychedelic ballad, um, you know, and then have that go into like, you know, a song like Heart in the Paint that I did with John Hill that is and, and Dahi, you know, and, and that's something that's like way more um, kind of forward thinking hip hop electronic, you know, but, but approaching being approached by a songwriter. And so it just kind of, you know, it was it was. That was, it was fun to put that together and try to make it all work. Um, and, you know, at the end of the day, it's kind of the, the main conversation. is like, well, look, you know, this is what, this is how people listen to music now. Like, this is, you know, where we, you skip from, you know, listening to, like, you know, Will Yachty to, like, listening to, um, you know, Ennio Morricone to Giorgio Moroder to, um, well, I do. Yeah, I was like, um, I was like really, you know, really so like,
1: cool, interesting people do, because I don't know if that's the typical kind of playlist for the average person, but yeah, I, I see that, I hear that's you. my
0: playlist. Yeah,
1: your playlist <laughs> is going from John Carpenter's theme for Halloween, and then we skip over to Selena Gomez, and then we go back to some Bach. You know, it's like the cool blend, you know, that's typical, right? Like, mm, I don't know, dude. Just
0: a, just a normal Sunday. Just normal,
1: average Sunday, um, just doing chores yeah. around the house, you know, it's cool. Sorry. <laughs> Um, okay, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, specific questions um, because I, I realize I'm probably keeping you on the phone a little bit too long. But um, you're on tour right now with Paramore. Um, what's I mean, the obvious question, you know, what's it been like touring with them? Did you like sort of were you friendly with Paramore? Did you guys know them at all really before touring?
0: My one of my bandmates, Phil Danu, actually. I guess uh, I just found this out. I knew that he knew Zach, their drummer, but I didn't well, I didn't know how but he, he, I guess he produced an EP for Zach when Zach was doing like side projects. Hmm. Um, so they they know each other and um, other than that, I hadn't met I hadn't met any of them um, and you know kind of it was just I think that there's been kind of love there for a while um just between the two the two bands but um but yeah we kind of walked into this you know really just fresh just really kind of shaking hands and introducing ourselves <laughs> it's
1: like um, hi we'll be touring together what's your name again Haley? great to meet you miss
0: <laughs> <laughs> sure it wasn't like uh, yeah. that yeah um yeah, you know, but it's 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 been really it's been really great. I mean, they're good people. We we all get along right away, and it's been kind of funny too because the last few venues we played have been kind of like summer camp vibes. Like the the venues themselves have had like ping pong and bonfires afterwards with s'mores. Wow, like okay,
1: that's cool. Weird
0: bicycles and like scooters and all the stuff laying around and basketball hoops and whatever. So <laughs> it's been kind of like after. You know, before the shows and after the shows, we've all just been kind of like hanging um, together, doing weird activities, um, making
1: s'mores and playing ping pong, uh, as you do on tour. That's making
0: s'mores and playing ping pong, as you do.
1: That's that could be a song um, lyric. I think we can make that happen. Maybe not. Um,
2: totally.
1: Yeah, totally. Um, do you, I Actually, I was kind of curious, like, while you're on the road, do you f- have time, like, is that when you like to write music, or do you sort of want to dedicate, like, separate time away from touring and sort of make it a self-contained thing outside of the road?
0: I've done that before, doing it for the money on Sacred Hearts Club, and also SHC actually started. On tour, doing to it for the money. I started on like on the Torches tour, like probably five or six years ago. Wow! I had my own bus, and I put a studio on the bus, um, and traveled around trying to write stuff for our second record. And that was really the only idea that I ended up seeing the light of day. Five years later, I ended up kind of ice and found that the the, the basis for that track on a hard drive somewhere. I was like, you know, we should finish this and. Um, but for the most part, you know, I found that it's it's pretty hard for me to write on on tour. I mean it's it's I'm I don't know. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's just the movement of the bus or it's just like after playing a show, it's um, you know, pretty my, my brain is kind of reeling and I just wanna like play video games. Yeah. Um or and like play you ping know, pong eat and a chocolate cupcake s'mores. and go to bed. Yeah. Um <laughs> but it's something that I'm still trying to figure out, you know, I know Ryan Tedder from one Republic. I mean, he tours around with an airstream that he pulls behind their bus and he has a studio in it. he's been doing that for years. And I know that he's like locked up. I mean, he, he, he is kind of a freak on a, on a whole other level though. I mean, he yeah. is his work ethic and how prolific he is. He's always in the studio, always songwriting. Um, but that's something that I look up to, you know, I, I think that having maybe a separate space, like an airstream or having something that I can, kind of like close the door and not be not have people like shuffling by grabbing socks from the back lounge or whatever yeah um (laughs) you know it might be a little bit more conducive to being creative but
1: yeah then all of your songs will
0: just end up in the meantime i kind of honestly when i'm on tour i'm on tour and then when i'm home i kind of explode into the studio you know and i just built a home studio um and have been uh, have like my own proper studio for the first time in my life where I can track drums. And, wow um, You know, I have a board and I have a ton of outboard gear um, every you know, just everything that I need basically and so um, I, When I get home from this tour, I'm, I'm, I've am i got a, a bunch of music that I'm gonna be jumping into and, and then I some Innes, My bandmate myself we've been producing stuff together for a long time and we we've been working on some stuff for that band coin um, doing some stuff with them on their new record and um, having you know, quite a bit of like production and writing stuff aside from foster the people. That's like kind of lined up that we're going to be doing, um, you know, when we get home from this tour. So, you know, it's going to be busy.
1: Wow. You're super busy. Um, Well, last thing Um, uh, since, I mean, since it's now been effectively like seven and a half, you know, years or so basically since pumped up kicks kind of like, you know, put you onto the map Um, and, you know, you've toured so much and you've been around the block, you know, a whole bunch of times, Um, you know, is there like one really big lesson that you feel like you've learned from this whole experience so far uh, for you? Like what's like been like some really great teachable thing that you've learned? I know that sounds like a big, huge question. It doesn't have to be crazy. I was just kind of curious. I'm like, oh, what's like a good lesson you've learned?
0: Well, I would say that, you know, I come from kind of the old, uh old school like love of music, how things were when you went to a record store and you bought an album because the artwork looked cool and you maybe heard about the band from a friend and you just tried it out and brought it home and unwrapped it and put it in. And um and so I would say that kind of when you know as as it pertains to making records, I love to make albums, full albums, front to back and disappear for a while and really dive in and really pull my hair out and try to make it perfect and tell a story and all of those things. And, and I think that one of the biggest lessons that I learned, even just coming off the heels from between Torches and Supermodel, um, was that um, you know taking, if you take a, a break for two or three years, or not a break, but if you're in the studio writing a record and then you come back out, you have to re-educate everybody. Um, again of who you are What you're all about What you're doing And and I and I think that it's somewhat Of an uphill battle sometimes Where it's not like people's attention spans They're not like waiting around Like back you know in the 60s When they're like oh you know the Beatles are coming out With the new record or the Beach Boy Or whatever it is I can't wait to hear this And it's like people talk about it Not even the 60s even like the 90s yeah. was Like that you know I remember being like okay you know, Soundgarden's coming out with a new record or whatever, and and knowing the date, knowing when it comes out, like, months in advance. It was an event, up literally.
1: The like, there'd be billboards it. with, like, release dates on it, and, you know, the Rolling Stones has a new album. Like, it was always, like, you knew the date, like, months in advance. Sorry.
0: <laughs> you knew the date. It wasn't like, it wasn't like, oh, shit, you know, The weekend just dropped a record at midnight last night. I'm yeah. Check it out. Um, you know, it was you, you know, so I, I think that, you know, one of the big lessons that I've learned, I guess, in terms of just being, which which is also amazing, is just that art, because of the digital nature of how everything is, and with streaming and whatever, is that you can be, we can be, you can be more fluid, and you can act quicker, and something that, which is, for me, instead of locking myself away, you know, trying to go up on... Um, you know, a mountain and come down like Moses with the Ten Commandments and be like, look what I've been, like, you know, all grizzled (laughs) and, like, have it showered and like, look what I've been up to. Just, like, curmudgeon um, with this, this, you know, piece of of work. um, That it's like, if I finish a song, I want to put it out. Um, And so that's kind of where my headspace is now. I just want to finish music, put it out, put it out as a single. And I guess in some ways it is going back to the 50s. Yeah, totally. Um, you know, where it was like kind of the age of the single. You know, you can put out a single, like just continue to just be prolific. I think we're in the age of being prolific. And whoever is kind of the squeakiest wheel in terms of being prolific, which, which is, I mean, not to go super, super deep and long on like long on this, I probably already got No, this, you're good. But <laughs> is why I think hip-hop um, has just been dominant um, for the last few years, because in hip hop, you know, you, you have hundreds of people that are beat makers that are sending their coolest stuff to Drake or sending their stuff to, you know, who, in name, name your MC. Right. And they can, like, pour through 100 beats, pick, you know, one or two that they like, jump into a vocal booth, write a verse lay down the vocal and then like they could put that out a, a couple days later if they wanted to and that's what's been happening i mean you know especially someone like drake it's just he's his name is always on the radio he's always got something new coming out it's been like that for years yeah and whether it's his own stuff or it's whether or whether he's collaborating and jumping on somebody else's track which is something that i think indie artists do more often you know i would love to do a song with portugal the man i'd love to do a song with cage the elephant like i would love to do you know a tune with mgmt i would love to like do something with vampire weekend or arctic monkeys or i think the like, cross pollination um you know with with alternative artists i think there's a lot of room for bands to start collaborating collaborating together yeah that doesn't um, exactly I mean, happen maybe, very often in <laughs> a similar fashion like kind of like just like what i did with the knox yeah you know we've got we've we just did a song together and you know so it's not and foster the people and you know that's um, I, I think there's a, you know, the artists that are maybe more on the fringes should start collaborating together. I think it's just, you know, it's fun. What we do is fun. It doesn't have to be all like lone wolf, super competitive, super secretive. It's like, we're, we're lucky to be able to make music. And, um, and you know, I, I, I find it to be really fun to collaborate with people that, um, you know, come from a different background for myself. So, that's something that I think in the future, you know, something that I'm really kind of shooting for.
1: Well, um, this has actually been a really enjoyable conversation. Um, thank you so much for taking the time. I look forward to your collaboration with Drake in your home studio, uh, later this year. Um, maybe it'll be set to some sort of, you know, um, interesting atmospheric Enya music from the eighties. I don't know, just throwing that out there. Um, But thank you so much, Mark. And, um, you know, have a great time on the rest of the tour and uh, much success to you in the future. Thank you again so much, Mark. Um, It was such a joy uh, talking to you. And really, like Katie said, we would love to... uh, talk again. I mean, yeah, he could
2: be the new Tyler Oakley just roll in and guest co-host. <laughs>
1: um, uh I mean, and Mark's pretty sassy too in the interview. I no. mean, <laughs> um Mark also has very specific um interesting tastes like like and I and I I mean, as you just heard, like I joked with him cuz he was talking about like, oh, you know, you can go from like a Ennio Morricone to like, you know, and then he like name-checked like a pop artist and then he name-checked something else. And I'm like, "I think you might do right. That.
2: <laughs> I don't know if the average
1: person, the regular person, does. talking about
2: spaghetti westerns and Ariana Grande, <laughs> but
1: but with someone like him, it's like, man, I would love to like go to like Amoeba Records and like go through like oh. like pour digging through, through the crates, digging through the crates with like Mark Foster, and you know, because clearly you could fall into a rabbit hole, yeah. like a pop music rabbit hole, and just get lost. Um, anyway, now it's time for the chart stat of the week. <laughs> 20 years ago this week, Armageddon, The Album, hit number one on the Billboard 200 Albums chart, back when everything was just called something, The Album, when it was a soundtrack. (laughs) Kind of like (laughs) Black Panther, The The Album. album. Um, Well, the set, which contained the smash hit, I Don't Want to Miss a Thing by Aerosmith, which you just heard a snippet of to intro this segment. Um, The album spent two weeks. The album spent two weeks atop the list. Starting on July 18th, 1998, and was one of three chart topping soundtracks that year, alongside two albums you may have heard of Titanic and City of Angels. It was uh, 1998 was a huge year for soundtracks, um, and uh, granted, only three of them actually hit number one, but there were so many more that were huge albums in that weird transitionary time where the only way most people could actually get a song they wanted was to go and buy the album mm-hmm. because the music industry had effectively like killed the commercial single like that you couldn't go buy CD singles really anymore and iTunes hadn't existed yet and so if you wanted to get that hot new you know whatever song the music industry basically forced you to buy an album yeah. so lots of soundtracks that really should have never existed or That's done why well. I owned
2: the Dumb and Dumber soundtrack.
1: That, I mean, there, for some reason, people went and bought the Godzilla soundtrack. Oh,
2: yeah, for that terrible Diddy Jimmy Page Ugh. thing. Ugh. Puff Daddy, I mean.
1: Yeah, at the time, it was Puff Daddy featuring Jimmy Page. Come with <laughs> what me. What a time.
2: Oi. Da-da-da. Da-da-da. Yeah.
1: Da-da-da. Yeah. That was Kashmir, yeah. wasn't it? Oi. <laughs> what, a, what a time to be alive Indeed. when Puff Daddy... Could, could sample get a, could,
2: a former member of Led Zeppelin.
1: well anyway that was coming that, that was also we didn't mean to die to this to, to fall into a bashing on puff daddy we are so sorry um that's not we are not that's not what we're doing um yeah. We're talking about Armageddon. (laughs) Um, Notably, I Don't Want to Miss a Thing, was the first and so far only number one Billboard Hot 100 hit for Aerosmith. Um, The track, which was written by a friend of the pop shop, Diane Warren, Mm -hmm. hit number one on the September 5th, 1998 Hot 100 chart and spent four weeks atop the list. So there you have it. 20 years ago this week, Armageddon, the album, hit number one on the Billboard 200 chart. already
2: you know soundtracks are really having a renaissance now too like they're back but in a different way
1: yeah uh, well i mean we have the greatest showman which has sold more than a million copies Mm -hmm. which can still prove that some albums if they are the right kind of album can still sell well Mm -hmm. um the mamma mia 2 soundtrack just came out a week ago Mm -hmm. um featuring um abba hits performed by Cher and Andy (laughs) Garcia and Meryl Streep and a whole raft of other young people Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah I mean I don't know are there other soundtracks I'm not thinking of that are coming? Black Panther Black Panther yeah Oh, and, like
2: that are coming out. Yeah, I, I can't really. Well, think I guess of, the uh, Superfly one was it a couple weeks ago. Oh, as well? right, the,
1: the future kind of mm-hmm. curated one, which didn't really impact as big
2: as Black Panther. It Was not Black Panther level.
1: No. Well, we digress.
2: Um, so what this song? This whole, this whole show's been a digression.
1: <laughs> but those are the best kind of shows. Um, so what song should we go out oh, on, man. Katie?
2: Um, the people should probably hear that Godzilla diddy song. Now.
1: Oh, s- <laughs> <laughs> since we wouldn't have played it, yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> I guess we can go out on "Come with Me." No, is that what it's
2: called? "Come with Me." Come with me. Yeah.
1: All right. See you guys next time.
2: Bye. <laughs>